Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, grab your Bibles with me if you would, please turn to Acts chapter 19, whether you have it in print or a digital form. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 19 today. I wanna welcome those of you not only here who are in Auditorium 1, but also those of you joining us in Auditorium 2 as well, those that might be watching by way of television or maybe you're watching us online or listening to the podcast. So glad that you are with us today. Well, we've been in this series called A New Season. We'll be wrapping this up next week just before we come to Easter. And uh, it has been really, I think, uh, a very positive thing in my own life. I've heard a lot of really good feedback about the things that we've been talking about. And we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And that oftentimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, we think of the Holy Spirit kind of as this kind of spooky it that just kind of hangs out here when actually scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God and he wants to have a relationship with us. He desires to come alongside of us in life. And what we've talked about through this is that new seasons, when we're looking for something new in our lives, that new seasons emerge from fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. That when you have that fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit, it changes something in you and in your life. And so today, I, I felt like we're all friends here, right? I, I love when you're overwhelming. That's, <laughs> I love it, right? I felt like the need to maybe challenge you a little bit in some of the things we've been talking about. Because if we talk about the Holy Spirit coming alongside of us, when the Spirit does that, he usually kind of nudges us a little bit into the new season, into the next things that he has for us. So we've been praying a little prayer each week, and here's how we're gonna pray today. We're gonna pray, Heavenly Father, in this new season, may your Holy Spirit bring to me an elimination of excuses. Whoa, all right. Uh, let's bow our heads, I think we did the work. All right, that was it, <laughs> right? You know what excuses are, don't you? It's kind of a part of everyday life. It's a part of our human experience. If you're late, it's easy to kind of go, oh, traffic was crazy. You ever been with that person who didn't want to pay and they're like, oh, I, I forgot my wallet. You ever had that one done? You ever had that one? I've had those moments in high school, junior high, I can remember when she looked me in the eye and said, hey, Chad, it's not you, it's me. Do you remember that one? Anybody? And then, of course, you probably all know the old, the old standard. You tell the teacher, I'm sorry, the dog ate my, <laughs> right? We're good at making excuses. And what we're going to talk about today is that when you look at the book of Acts, which has been kind of our springboard for this whole series, what you see is that when opportunities came to people, instead of making excuses, they said yes. They took that step. Now, we're, we're talking, we're, we're these three weeks, last week, next week, and this week, we're in Acts chapter 19, and we're talking about Paul's interaction in a city called Ephesus. Last week, we, we talked historically about Ephesus. We'll talk some more about Ephesus history next week, but we're just kind of, we're stopping there real quick to go somewhere else. But Paul is in Ephesus, and he's talking to some people there, and he says this, Acts chapter 19, verse one, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road, through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Paul's kind of the, the star of the show in our story today. And there he found some disciples and asked them, 
did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll pick up there and talk about those things. But watch, Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. Scholars believe that these disciples of Jesus actually found their kind of origin and background in the teachings of John the Baptist in the New Testament. And so they practiced a baptism like John practiced. And Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they thought that maybe they should get baptized, but they had some excuses, so they put it off till another time. Is that what we read? <laughs> no, it says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like, they didn't put it off. No excuses. This is it. If that's the right thing, then yes, that's what we'll do. You see this as a principle, as a model, all throughout the book of Acts. We saw it when we were back in Acts chapter 8, the star of that show was a guy named Philip. <clears throat> if you remember, he was on a road in the desert, came across someone we refer to as the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a high leader in the court of the queen of Ethiopia. And when he came across him, he shared with him about Jesus. And then in Acts chapter eight, verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said to him, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? We're gonna eliminate excuses. We're gonna say yes every chance that we can to move God and his kingdom forward. Did you notice that both of these examples had to do with baptism? And I'll tell you, one of the places that I hear people make the most excuses about taking steps in their spiritual walk often has to do with water baptism. Like somebody will make a, a commitment, they'll say, hey, I wanna follow Jesus. Well, then the next step, scripture says, is that you kind of publicly affirm that through baptism. People are like, ah, yeah. I don't like being in front of people. And I, it's, I, you know, I might have to say something or I might have to do, I don't want to be wet in front of all those people. Do you know how much time I spend on my hair? You know, like that kind of thing. Look, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've not yet been baptized in water, stop making excuses and take that step. Now look, we've been in this series for about eight weeks and I want to challenge you today to eliminate some excuses <clears throat> from your life. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look at this. So let's fast forward from when Paul is with these disciples in Ephesus. We're gonna fast forward a few years to the last time. We, we've been looking at the first time. We're gonna fast forward to Acts chapter 20. So you might have to scroll or turn a page. Acts chapter 20, we're gonna look at the last time that Paul is with these people. And when he's with them, he gives them kind of this final teaching, kind of this final thought. And what you hear Paul do here is not allow for any excuses. In fact, he gives it to them very straight what he did so he can model for them how they should live their life. He's eliminating the excuses and giving this idea of how they should live their life. Here's what we're gonna see through the book of Acts. At every significant turning point in the life of the church, someone said yes. Every time that the church moved forward, every time that God's kingdom advanced, every time that the Lord did what he wanted to do in somebody's life, they had to be willing to say yes to God doing that. You can either make excuses or you can make a difference, but you can't do both. And God wants to work in our lives. And for many of us, what the Holy Spirit is challenging us is that the Holy Spirit can help us 
to eliminate the excuses in our lives. So what we're gonna work off today is kind of a, it, it's a prayer, it's kind of a declaration. I wanna kind of condense some of the things we'll see Paul say, and several times in this message today, we're gonna repeat these lines together, kind of as a declaration, as a, as a prayer to the Lord of how we wanna live our lives without excuses. This is based off of what we're gonna read Paul say in Acts chapter 20, and here's the little declaration. Read this with me. Where I I will do what I and give what I to do your, where I am, I will do what I can and give what I have to do your will. So let's, let's kind of break these phrases down. And you might, you might wanna write this down if God is kind of opening up a new season in your life or kind of think about this as something that you begin to pray. And it starts here with where I am. We'll begin with that part of it, that where I am, I will do what I can and give what I have to do your will. Listen to what Paul says. He's called for the leaders, called the elders of the church in Ephesus. They come and meet him. He knows he's gonna give to them some final instruction. And here's what we read. Acts chapter 20, verse 18. When they arrived, these Ephesian leaders, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, Asia would be like the state or the area that they lived in. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. When you read that, you can tell that things weren't always easy for Paul, can't you? Because <laughs> whenever I've done something with tears, it usually means there was some difficulty to it. And I've never enjoyed it when anyone has plotted against me. Anybody? Maybe a surprise party. That's about it. Right, so you read this and you go, Paul, you weren't in the best of circumstances. Paul, it wasn't always easy. And he said, look, even though it was tough, there were tears, there were enemies, there were difficulties. Where I was, I did what God asked me to do. God will use you where you are. This is a principle all throughout scripture that every time there was persecution, instead of it shutting the church down, it pushed the church forward. They kept moving forward because God will use you where you are. You might not like where you are. You might not like the conditions you're under. You might be looking for a new season to come. But what I've found in my life is I'm usually not open and ready for a new season until I learn for God to use me in the season I'm in. And once I let him use me where I am, that's when I'm ready for that next season. So that might be where you're at in your job or where you're at in your health. It might be what you're experiencing in school or your family or your neighborhood. And can I hone this down even a little bit more? It may be that the reason God has you where you are is because there's someone there that he wants you to show them who he is that it's through you they're gonna find out about Jesus, about the difference he can make, about how he wants to work in your life. I was talking with a guy recently here at Calvary, and I said, hey, what, what brought you to the church? And he said, well, I, I work with this guy so-and-so, and I don't even know if he knows that I'm here. But when I work with him, I don't just see him talk about his faith, I see him live it out. And so when I thought about what I needed in my life, 
I said, I need what he has, so I'm gonna go where he goes. And this guy has come to Calvary and found Jesus, all because of somebody he works with who might not even know how his life has influenced his friend. Because he was faithful where he was, which is not always easy. Because living that out takes courage. Sometimes it takes self-control. And sometimes if you're gonna tell somebody about Jesus or you're gonna hand them a, a card and invite them to church, you'll have the old excuse of fear that pops up. Well, what are they gonna think? And what if they say this? And what if they do that? Can I tell you to be faithful where you are? You might have to say no to fear to say yes to God. You might have to say no to the excuse of fear in order to say yes to God. And so much of how you will show people who Jesus is in your life is just to live it out. Let me give you an example of how not to do it. There's a guy named Eugene Peterson, and he's written many, many books. If you've ever heard of the, the Bible translation called The Message, which is kind of a helpful paraphrase, Eugene Peterson is the author who did that. Well, in his biography called uh, Burning in My Bones, tells a story about when he was in the first grade, there was a kid in his school named Cecil who was a bully. And for some reason, Cecil decided that he was gonna go after Eugene. And so first he started picking at him, kind of tormenting him. And then after school, he'd catch up to him and just kind of pound him. He'd beat on him. And he was bullying him. Well, Eugene had grown up in a very kind of strict biblical Christian home. So every time this guy Cecil would beat him up, Eugene would just go back to the words of Jesus. That you're better off to bless those who persecute you and to turn the other cheek. He'd get beat. I'm gonna bless those who persecute me. I'm gonna turn the other cheek. It'd be a rough day. He's gonna bless those who persecute him. He's gonna turn the other cheek until one day. Let me read you Eugene's words. Something snapped within me. For just a moment, the Bible verses disappeared from my consciousness. Anybody? <laughs> he says, I grabbed Cecil, and to my surprise and his, I realized that I was stronger than he was. I wrestled him to the ground, sat on his chest, and pinned his arms to the ground with my knees. I couldn't believe it. He was helpless under me. At my mercy, it was too good to be true. I hit him in the face with my fists and it felt good and I hit him again. Blood spurted from his nose. The other children were cheering, egging me on. Black his eyes, bust his teeth. But the real action was yet to happen. I said to Cecil, say uncle, and he wouldn't say it. So I hit him again, more cheering, more blood, and my audience was bringing out the best in me. And then, my Christian training reasserted itself. And I said, say I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> he wouldn't say it, so I hit him again. <laughs> say I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he said it, and Cecil was my first Christian convert. <laughs> let, me, let me give you a better way right? That's not the way that you tell people about Jesus. Can I tell you, God will use you where you are. <laughs> How? Because God will empower you where you are. 
The Bible tells us that by his Holy Spirit, he's gonna give you the power, the strength that you need. And oftentimes we're quick to go, well, God, not here. Like I'll, I'll live for you, but it's hard on the job or I can't say that to my friends or I don't know about this. And the reality is for you and I, you may have to say no to not here, right? Isn't that one of the excuses we use sometimes? We're like, God, I'll be used by you, but not here. You may have to say no to not here to say yes to God so that God can use you. Anybody been tracking on the final four, March Madness, anybody? You're watching the games? All right. Not a lot of sports nuts in the room. Did you notice that? Either that or how many of your brackets got busted right away? Is that it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. And I've, I've seen this twice in the tournament so far, kind of unique, where there's a shot taken or whatever, and the ball gets stuck up on the backboard. Anybody seen this? Who comes and saves the day? Cheerleaders. Cheerleaders. Have you seen this? Ball gets stuck, and they're all like, oh, no, what do we do? Cheerleaders know what to do. They've been training for this all their lives. They go out there, boop, 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 knock it down, and people are like, yeah. The cheerleaders do not belong out there. Like, it could have been easy for them to say, oh, not here. I don't go out there. Except from the sidelines, they were called to save the day. God never intended for you to stay on the sidelines. Like there are things that you might not even realize this, but he's been training you your whole life for where you are right now so that in this moment, he might want to use you to actually bring him to someone else. But it may mean that you have to say no to not hear to say yes to God. Look, look, here's my challenge, that you'll just pray and say, God, who do you want me to give this to? That you invite someone to come to our Easter services. The reality is most people say that they would go to church if someone invited them. And there's probably no time other than Easter when people are as willing to come. And you can invite someone, maybe plan how you're gonna come to church around them joining you, and who knows what God might do in helping them to find freedom and forgiveness and life and grace and healing through Jesus Christ? And here's what you also don't know. You may hand someone the card and get a flat out no, and they're gonna take this card and on Easter Sunday morning, they're gonna log in because we're finding most people watch online for weeks or months before they ever actually come to church. And they may log in and find just what they've been looking for which takes us then back to our declaration. Here we go. We're gonna say, where I am, I will do what I can and give what I have to do your will. At some point, a declaration where I say, even if I'm not in the best possible place where I am, I will do what I can. Here's what Paul says, Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Remember, he's talking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, and he says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. He said, look, even though I wasn't in the best spot, I did what I could do. I did my part. I took that step of faith. And here's the deal. God wants to use you to do what only you can and the Spirit has given you gifts to use. We believe this from Scripture, that the Holy Spirit has given you gifts to use. Some of these are just very practical things. You have talents 
You have gifts, you have abilities. There's things you're good at. There's skills you've developed. And God wants to use those things to help move his kingdom forward. There's also what we refer to as spiritual gifts. We read about this in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14, where God empowers us by his spirit to be used by him. The thing is, God has given you a gift to be used and he wants you to use it But we often say to ourselves, (laughs) not me. No, there may be an opportunity. There there may be something there, but I'm I'm not the person. Maybe because we say, well, I'm not good enough, not me. Or sometimes we say, well, I'm, I'm too good for that, not me. And the reality is that's an excuse we need to eliminate. You might have to say no to not me to say yes to God. Ron and I were dating in Bible college and we had just started going to a new church. It was new to us and the church was only a few years old. It was kind of a brand new church. We really liked it. We were kind of starting to meet some people and get kind of plugged in, enjoy the services. And so we said, you know what? It might be good for us to kind of find a place to get involved here. So the next time we go, maybe we'll catch the pastor after church and, and see if he knows a place where we can get involved. Well, they had a Wednesday night service and I was sick that night, didn't feel good. And Rhonda said, well, I think I'm still gonna go. So she went to church. She lived in the the ladies' dorm and I lived in the guys' dorm. And when she came back from church, she called me up and I said, hey, how's the service? And it was good, this kind of stuff. And she said, well, I talked to the pastor after church. And I said, oh, cool. And I asked him if there was a place where we can get involved. Oh, neat, well, what did he say? And she said, well, he said they need a lot of help in their preschool ministry with the early childhood kids. And I said, oh, cool. That would be a great place for you. Because I'm, I'm studying Greek and Hebrew. I'm a Bible scholar. I mean, I'm at least a sophomore. And I'm pretty sure the pastor wants me to write his sermons for him. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and work with those little kids and I'll talk to the pastor and see what he has for, <laughs> for me to do. And she said, he already told us what he has for we to do. <laughs> And love one out. And so we started working in the early childhood ministry there. Kind of worked our way up to where we were leading it. What I didn't know is that every Sunday while we were leading the early childhood ministry there, one of our professors from Central Bible College walked past that area where the kids' ministry was every week when he left church. And at the end of my senior year, he he felt led to go um, plant a, or start pastoring a church in Milwaukee. And so when he needed a kid's pastor, guess who he called? He called Ron and Chad Gilligan and said, hey, do you want to come be the kid's pastor? And three years later, when Doug Clay was looking for a kid's pastor for Toledo Calvary in Toledo, Ohio, he knew this kid, Chad Gilligan, who was now a kid's pastor. So he called him up and he said, hey, I'm looking for a kid's pastor. And then six years later, when Doug Clay left and the church was looking for a pastor, they said, oh, we know this guy. Maybe he'll come be the pastor. And so I'm telling you, I'm standing here today all because I eliminated the excuse of not me. Because when Rhonda said, hey, we should do early childhood ministry, if I had said not me, I don't know that I'd be here right now. Because one door opened another, another, over another. And look, when the spirit speaks and when the spirit nudges, we can be quick to throw up those excuses. But do you realize those excuses may be the very things that robs blessing from your life? I'm so thankful for those snot-nosed kids in Springfield, Missouri. Because if it wasn't for them, I don't know that I'd be here right now. Look, the Spirit has given you opportunities to take. 
He will open up doors of opportunity for you to move into. It's up to you to say, God, I'll say yes to those things instead of saying, not me. Or you know what we also say? Sometimes we say, like, we have a good heart, but we say, ah, not now. (laughs) Now's just not a good time. Look, you may have to say no to not now to say yes to God so that he can move you into the place where you wanna be. Now, the reality is there are some times that aren't good times, true? Like, there's some times where it's wise for you to say no to some opportunities. But you know the difference between when it's wise and when it's just an excuse. You know those times when you're saying no because it's the right thing and those times when you're saying no and you're actually saying no to God. And you might have to say no to the not now so you can say yes to what God has for you. We are in the same spot that so many other places are. Have you been to a coffee shop that closed early because it didn't have enough people? Have you walked into a restaurant that's half empty and they said you still have a half an hour wait? Over and over again, we're seeing that there's a shortage of people involved in things. And that's not just in the consumer world, it's not just in retail, that's happening not just in this church, but it's happening in the church. And in so many ways, it's, it's causing a, a hindrance in moving things forward because people aren't serving in the same way that maybe they had in the past. And I just wanna encourage you, if the spirit is nudging you to say no to not me or no to not now, and you're looking to see what he might have for you to do, we would love to help you find a place where you can get involved in what God is doing here at Calvary. The reality is we, we need you. That's how the church moves forward. We all have gifts and we're called to use and to do those and to be a part of what God is doing. And I know it can be easy to go, well, this is a big church. They got lots of people. They probably don't need me. <laughs> we need you. But can I tell you this? As much as we need you, you need to serve. I will tell you that some of the greatest blessings in my life, some of the greatest friendships in my life, some of the deepest lessons I've learned and how I've grown in my faith most in my life haven't come just from times when I've been studying or reading or worshiping. They've come from when I've gotten my hands dirty, from when I've served. And God can use that in our lives. Some of you play an instrument and you're just kind of sitting on that thing and God's challenging you to use that skill. Some of you have a gift to teach or you have an organizational skill or you're called to pray or you could lead a group or you love people. Some of you, God has birthed something in your heart that there's not even a job description for yet. But you know that it's something that God is stirring in you to do and you may be called to launch something totally new that God's gonna do through your life or or even something new here at Calvary or maybe even you need to stop by and see Daniel's missions table today and say, God's calling me to do something crazy. How how do I step out into missions? Whatever it is, don't run from that voice. When you leave today, we've got a bunch of tables set up in the atrium. You'll see the balloons when you go out there. And if you're looking for a place where you feel the Spirit's nudge to say, it's time for you to do what you can, stop by out there. We've got resources. We've got friends that can help you find a place where you can get involved. If you're watching online or by television, you can do that by just going out to our webpage and there's a place where you can click there to sign up, get involved and to serve. It can make a world of difference. And some of you go, Chad, (laughs) thanks. I agree. I know we need people involved, but you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what happened where I got burned out 
or where I got used or I got hurt. And I told myself, I'm not doing that again. I shared before, probably about 15 years ago, our whole family was all loaded up in the minivan and we were heading home one night and we were driving and we came up to this spot where we had to make a left-hand turn. It was like a little hill behind us and when a guy came up over the hill, he wasn't paying attention. He was actually talking to somebody in the back seat and didn't realize that we were stopped there and he slammed right into us threw us out into the intersection and actually kind of to an embankment where we started to go down and it was only, I think, God's protection that kept us from, from seriously getting hurt. But have you ever been rear-ended? Didn't see it coming? There's a lot of trauma that comes with that. I mean, it was, it was just kind of weird to, to watch through that. And can I tell you, 15 years later, to this day, every time I go through that intersection, I think about that day. Every single time I go through that intersection, I think about that accident. I watch for some weasel coming up behind me, right? Every single time. But I don't stay at home. And cars weren't meant to be in the garage. And I'm still gonna go out there and do something. And I may know something more. I may have experienced something, but I am not gonna let that keep me from living my life and going where I need to go. And you may have been hurt and you may have had a disappointment in a church, but would you give God another chance? Because you weren't meant to just be parked in a garage. He has things he wants to do through your life. Back to our declaration, he says this, God, we're gonna say this, where I am, I will do what I can and give what I have to do your will. I'm gonna give what I have. Let's go back, this is Paul, start of the show, talking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, and he says this, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, in everything I did, this is a whole section where he's talking about money, by the way. He says, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Have you ever heard that phrase before? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. And it's funny because it's not in the Gospels anywhere, but Paul records it. So either it's like an oral tradition that came down, or maybe Paul even had Jesus say this to him himself, but it's this phrase. And today, because the passage does, I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes about money. Some of you are like, oh, I knew it. I knew this was coming. Because they always do. These pastors, sooner or later... They get right back to it. Why am I talking about money? Because <laughs> God's word does, and it does a lot. If you look and you search, God's word talks to us a lot about money and how we handle it and how it works in our lives. Let me give you just three quick thoughts as we kind of wrap this up on this idea. One is this, <clears throat> that everything you have comes from God, that everything you have in your life comes from God. We refer to this idea as stewardship and that the things that we have, we don't own, but they're things that God has given to us and we are stewards of those things and he has called us to take care of them. Does that make sense? Look at this, First Chronicles chapter 29, we read this. David says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything that we have, now look, I'm not saying you haven't worked hard 
And I'm not saying that you haven't put yourself in a position for the things that you have, but at the end of the day, newsflash, you didn't do it. God gave you everything that you have, and it's from him. Which takes us to kind of this next principle, that not only does everything come from him, but God asks us to give back to him. God asks us to give back to him. This this is a biblical principle, Malachi chapter three, Verse eight, we read, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So God says, look, there's a portion of what you have that he's asking us to give back to him. The the beginnings of this is what we refer to, if you're not familiar with this word, as the tithe. The idea behind a tithe is that one-tenth of what God gives to us, we give back to him. This idea of the the storehouse, we believe the scripture's teaching about the local church, and so that what God gives to us, we give a tenth of that back to him in giving to the local church. Now, God asks us to do this as we give in this way. You say, Chad, 10%... That's a lot, to which I say, you're right, it is. (laughs) But here's the third biblical principle. When we give, we are blessed. Anybody found this to be true? That when we give, we are blessed. I have found this, that I am more blessed (laughs) when I give and what God is able to do with the 90% that I have left than if I were to not give and hold on to that 100% and not have that same blessing in my life. Not just a financial, every time, not just a financial blessing, but it's a blessing that comes in so many ways in our lives and ways that we don't even know. Watch what he said again, Malachi chapter three, read through this. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation. That's heavy, isn't it? A curse that, by the way, he's saying, you put yourself under. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. There's not too many places where God says, go ahead, try me. You ever done that to somebody? Go ahead, bring it. God says, test me in this. Did you notice it gets quieter when you talk about money? He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is hard to talk about because money is so personal. And it's hard to talk about because it's such a big part of our lives. And oftentimes when we think about what we do with our money, we have to overcome ourselves, don't we? And look, you might have to say no to self to say yes to God and to push back this in obedience. Where do you start? You start with this idea of a tithe, that one-tenth of everything God gives to me, I give back to him in an act of worship, in an act of obedience, And look, you might think, well, this isn't an easy thing to talk about. No, but it's critically important. Because as I talk about it, I figure, whether you're watching this somewhere, you're sitting here in the room or in the building somewhere, you probably fall into one of three categories. One is that you know these principles and you're obedient to them. And as a result, you've seen God's blessing in your life. Our best guess is that's about a third of the people that call Calvary their church home 
follow this practice and have seen how God has blessed when through worship and through obedience, we, we give in this way. If you're either in that category or you might not be in the category of obedient, you, you might actually just kind of be in the category of disobedient where you know and you've heard these things, but you figured you're a better money manager than God and so that's, the, that's a whole other subject. The third category, the third category is what I just call uninformed where you go, you know, I, I guess I really hadn't thought about that or maybe I've never heard that before. And here's the reason why I'm happy to talk about this because I've seen the blessing that this brings in my life and as your pastor, I don't ever want you to have the opportunity to say to me, I could have had blessing and you didn't tell me. And so I would just challenge you if the spirit is nudging you about this, like you're, you're probably going, Chad's saying this because the church needs money. Does the church need money? Absolutely, because ministry requires money, just, just like you do to live. But here's what I've found out. I've found out that no matter what, God takes care of his people. And I've seen him do it over and over again. And I'm less worried about the church needing money, and I'm more worried about you needing blessing. And so if the spirit is speaking this to your heart, he challenges us to be obedient in tithes and offerings. Offerings is when you're kind of generous over and above. And you have been, as a church, in part, that's why we were able, I think I shared a couple of weeks ago, we were able last year to eliminate 75% of our indebtedness. So we're now down to about 960,000 in our indebtedness uh, on, the, on the property and on the things that we've done here. And our board and our leadership has set a goal. We would love to see that debt eliminated within the next year. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because here's why. Remember, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, right? Remember we were gonna, if you were with us two years ago, we were gonna expand and add on a new auditorium, and then things changed. Remember that? <laughs> and it's not wise for us to do that right now for a whole lot of reasons. So our leadership has said, well, what is wise? Well, what is wise is for us to position ourselves so that when the time is right, we'll be ready to do whatever God has in store for us to do, whether it's a new building or whatever. And to do that, one of the best things we can do is to eliminate our indebtedness and be in a place so that when God says, how about this, we don't have an excuse. So we're gonna ask that you would pray about, can you help us in, in that way? How could we best maybe eliminate that indebtedness? If you wanna give in that way, there's a drop down if you give online or you can just write debt elimination or debt's the key word if you, if you text to give. And we wanna see that happen, why? Why do we wanna do that? Well, go back to our declaration, right? We say, where I am, I will do what I can and give what I have to do your will. The whole point is I wanna be able to stand before God and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Anybody else? Like, so the reason we talk about these things is if the spirit is nudging you about how you live where you are or what you do with the gifts he's given or how you manage your finances, that ultimately you can say what Paul said, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Do you hear what he said? You know what I do with my life? I just wanna do God's will. Now look, the reason that I stress these things is not because I'm worried about what you're thinking today. I just know that at some point, your life and my life's gonna end. And when it does, like Paul's reflecting here near the end of his life, I wanna be able to say, I did what God wanted me to do. Because at the end of the day, that's the only question that matters, right? When you stand before God and you have to answer, what did you do with the life I gave you? I don't want you to miss it. So say this with me. Here's our prayer, our declaration. 
where I, I will do what I, and give what I to do your. Paul Drexler traveled 20 hours to go to his friend's wedding in Miami. He got there late, it was two in the morning, got, got to the airport, got an Uber, got dropped off, he gets to his Airbnb, it's two in the morning, he's traveled 20 hours, he's gotta get up early the next day, he's wiped out. And so he opens up his phone and he looks at the instructions from Airbnb and it says, go through the gate, make sure the gate latches so the dog doesn't get out, go to the guest house in the back, it'll be unlocked, make yourself at home. So two in the morning, Paul stumbles back, makes sure the gate closes, he gets to the guest house, opens the door, is surprised because it's a little disorganized, but goes to the bedroom, clean sheets, a couple of towels on the foot of the bed. He's like, this is the place. Two in the morning, he crawls into bed and crashes, wiped out, falls fast asleep until in the morning, he hears a knock on the door. Groggily, Paul kind of goes, yeah. And the voice on the other side of the door goes, what are you doing in my house? And Paul says, I'm in my Airbnb. And the guy says, your Airbnb is next door. <laughs> when Paul got up, he looked. There was a gate. There was a guest house. It was all the same deal. He woke up and found himself in the place he did not want to be. Someday, you're going to stand before God. And when you do, I don't want that to be a wake-up call for you where you go, oh, man, this isn't where I want it to be. Instead, if the Spirit is speaking to you about these things we talked about or about who knows what, it might be about your relationships, it might be about your interaction with him, it might be about the state of your heart, your attitudes, I don't know what it is, but if the Spirit's speaking to you, would you be willing to say where I am, I will do what I can and give what I have to do your will. No more excuses, God, I say yes to you because it's only when you say yes to him that you can enter into a new season in your life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Before we go, I want to pray with you. But before I do, I want to give the Holy Spirit just a moment to speak to your heart. Because somewhere, somehow, I believe the Spirit is nudging every one of us into a new season. But it's going to mean that you say yes to him. It may be a simple yes where you say, God, I can't do this life on my own anymore and I need you. I need your forgiveness, I need your grace. There's no better moment than right now to say yes to him. It may be that something that has to do with how you spend your time or how you share with others or how you give the resources that God has given you in your time, your energy. where it might just be taking a step back from where you are and going, this is not where I want to be. And so God, I want to do your will. Holy Spirit, thank you that we know that in this building and even through technology, you can speak to our hearts. Lord, would you help us to say yes to you? to eliminate the excuses that can come our way and live our lives in a way that's gonna please and honor you. Lord, there's somebody who's in a place right now that they don't wanna be. 
but would you encourage them that as they live for you, you are gonna help them to move their life forward. And Lord, there's someone who it's been easy to say, not me or not now. And Lord, would you help them to see that that excuse could be holding back your blessing for their life? Lord, I pray that as we give of ourselves, we would see your faithfulness and your blessing come back in. And for the one who's in a place today and saying, I don't know, this is where I wanna be, would you help them by your spirit's empowerment to, to turn things around and to find themselves where you want them to be? God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thanks for how you speak to us. As we go from here, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. One more time, can we thank him for his word as Pastor Keith comes?